Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special quick take episode of the pod where for about 20 or 25 minutes, we feature a member of the RSPA community who will speak at Retail Now 2021. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference and networking event scheduled for July, July 25th through 27th in person at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville. Retail Now will feature more than 20 education sessions and dozens of expert presenters, including today's guest, RSPA Security Advisor, Nathan Swaney. Always great to talk with you, Nathan. Good to see you again. How you doing, Jim? It's good to see you, man. Yeah, great to see you. It's It's been far, far too long. Looking forward to getting uh, together with you uh, in just a few short weeks at Retail Now. So before we get going, Nathan, I'm, I'm really hoping you can help me out. So I had mentioned, our audience might recall in a prior episode, that I'm using these pre-Retail Now interviews kind of as practice when I meet people in person at the event. Actually, over the weekend, I shook hands with somebody for the first time in over a year. And after I shook his hand, I think I kind of reacted like I had just, you know, wiped up some <laughs> sticky lemonade or something. I was just kind of like right. holding it there. Don't touch anything. Wait till I get sure. back to my car and, you know, put, uh, you know, some uh, some antibacterial um, lotion on it. So I guess let me take back here. I am talking all about myself. So getting back to the fundamentals, like how are you doing, Nathan? What's new in your world just in general from a security standpoint? What challenges have RSP members been bringing your way? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, for me personally, I'm in I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, it's a little bit more of a rural area. When when people first start talking about uh, uh, social distancing, like that's just part of life here. I can go to Walmart and spend an hour and never talk to anybody, uh, you know, or get within six feet of somebody. So uh, we we've done pretty good. Um, there's been some challenges, right? Everybody's trying to to figure out how to to get by with stuff. Um, as far as the community goes. Uh, overall, most of the conversations that I've had with members have been fairly similar to, to, to what they've dealt with in the past. Um, you know, we've got a lot, a lot of our resellers have, uh, you know, grocery stores and restaurants and, and, you know, merchants who overall their business hasn't changed, right? Like they have to deal with, you know, delivery and, and taking people, you know, orders in different ways and stuff like that. But the technology side of it hasn't changed that much. Uh, one of the challenges is one of the challenges that a lot of the resellers have dealt with is, at least initially, how do we support these customers when maybe it's not safe for all of our people to come into the same office? Uh, and so that's something that we've seen with a lot of organizations is, hey, everybody's working from home now, and what does that look like? And uh, you know, we talked about I think, uh, man, I don't remember when it was several months ago about how we how we make quick decisions to be able to work from home and do the support that's necessary and support people working remotely and and still provide a certain level of security. Because, you know, a lot of us last March, we didn't have a choice for this. We just, boom, make the decision, figure out how to do it and, and go. And so there were a lot of decisions where it's like, hey, it'd be great to be secure, but we have to stay in business first and security will come after. And, you know, I think a lot of people eventually came back around to saying, okay, we made this decision. Now, what do we do to secure it? Was this the right decision? Do we keep doing this thing? Do we need to roll out new technology? Do we need to change our processes? Um, some people still haven't done that. You know, some people are a year in now and, and it's time to step back and say, whoa, okay. You know, we, we did the, the triage, right? Right now we're, we're are the, 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 not the victim, but the patient is stable. What do we do now, right? How do we, how do we make sure that we're continuing to maintain a certain level of security going on? And that's a challenge. 
Yeah, I'm curious as a security advisor, and like that's what you do with security when somebody said, well, security secondary at this point. How, how do you react to that in terms of balancing their business needs and the needs for security? Was it, yeah, do that first, but a close second, like right behind better be security. You shouldn't wait weeks, months, quarters, or like you said, at this point, a year in order to, to make sure you're secure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always hate when I hear a security person say, no, you can't do that because okay, go away, right? We have to stay in business. If you say no, then we'll find somebody else that will say yes. Um, the, the role of, of, of a good security advisor should always be to say, here's what you have to do to do that. This is the goal of the business. It has to be to get this done. If I say no, you're gonna find a way around it. But if I say, here's the risk that's associated with that, here's the additional cost you're taking onto the company, let me find a way to help you get done what you need to get done and still minimize that risk, you know, mitigate it in some fashion as, as much as possible. Um, and and risk tolerance changes. You know, when I go home to my parents' house in small town Kansas, I leave the keys in the car because somebody might need to move my car. Like that's just what it's like in a small town. I don't do that when I'm home in Tulsa. Like it's just there's different risk appetites depending on your circumstances. And so a company that's about to go out of business and not sure they can make payroll on Friday securing their systems isn't as important as you know maybe it might be for my business or your business. Um, so, so finding that balance is important. With that said, I've also had the situation, I'm, I'm almost like a politician sometimes where people throw back what I said to them before. Well, wait, you said this wasn't important. No, 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 I didn't. I said, in this case, this is more important, right? So I always have to try to encourage people like, you gotta do what you gotta do, but, here, here's the risk that you're taking on when you do that and, and walk into this decision you know, with eyes wide open um, and understanding what the potential implications are. Got it, and I like that approach. I guess before we start talking uh, security at retail now, I'll just say the successful resellers that I talked with, like when Tablet POS came out, there were some who said, we're not gonna do it. Like, we just don't play in that world. Well, they were telling their customers, no, we are not gonna provide this technology for you. And then, like you said, they would say, okay, we go and find somebody else. And then when that merchant grew up and needed a bigger system, right, they were turning to the person who had supplied them the, the lower end technology at that point. So yeah, that's a great point. Don't just say no and walk away. See how you can, can help out your customer. They are, are gonna find somebody else. So, all right, well, let's talk retail now. And so can you share with our audience an overview of the security track at retail now this year? That's one thing about retail now. We have six separate tracks. One of them focuses 100% on security, so you're going to get four 45-minute sessions on them. I'm not going to ask you to go and recite every single detail about it, but can you give our audience uh, some of the topics? Who are some of the speakers at Retail Now this year in the security track? Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things, this is still a little bit of a work in progress. We still got a little bit of time before uh, before this is all completely ironed out, but I can tell you kind of what our plans are. Uh, so don't quote me on, on this if things change. Uh, one of the things that we want to do in the security track, and I think maybe some of the other tracks as well, is to give people a path of, you know, we've got some people that come to retail now that are very security conscious. They really know what's going on. They've been paying attention for the last decade and all of their merchants are doing the things the right way and they're offering secure solutions and, you know, they're paying attention to the major threats. They're wanting to say, what's the next step? How do I progress, right? But we also have members who, you know, they think of security as that thing I need to do. Oh yeah, I need to get around to that. I haven't put the effort there yet. Um, and they're looking for the beginning. And so what we've tried to do is outline the security track in a way to provide some uh, valuable content for each one of those categories and each one of those groups. Uh, 
one of the one of the tracks in the beginning is going to just be a very uh, very basic kind of fundamentals, you know, intro intro to security type concept. Uh, we did this a couple of years ago. Man, it might have been in Nashville, actually. I think it might have been the last time we were in Nashville. So uh, three, was, three years ago, 2018. All right. 2018. I think so. It was it was really really well received. Uh, in fact, it might have been one of the more popular sessions. Um, and it was just based on like here is a an incremental approach of the things you have to do to get started in security. And it's not always things. That, it's not always antivirus, right? People think you gotta have antivirus. There, there's some key things in there like you know, hardening your remote access and, you know, making sure a thing updates are being done and, and, and you've got good passwords. Those are the things the PCI Council has been has been hampering on. But there's other things like having an inventory and knowing what you have. You can't update all of your stuff if you don't know what you have because things get missed. And ultimately, that's where the attackers float in is that thing that got missed. So, you know, having a having a process of, of making sure that you have good inventories of your hardware and your software things like account management, um, the, stuff like that. So that's the that would be probably the first track is just a fundamentals. And and the really cool thing about that is even if you're towards the end of the that road, right? Like you never get to the end with security. There there is no there is no point where you say I've spent enough money now I'm secure. You can be less secure, you can be more secure, but it's always a path. And so no matter where you are on that road in a session like that, you're going to learn something to say, oh okay, this is the next thing. We're not doing this well or you know we started this other part and we need to come back to that because we kind of quit doing that well um, so definitely stuff you can move there uh, another track is going to be focused on um, incident response a lot of people don't think about what to do when an emergency happens or at least they might think about it in certain uh, certain aspects you know how do we deal with this from an hr perspective or how do we deal with this business continuity they don't always think about from an it perspective when you get that call from a card brand or from the secret service or or somebody who's investigating uh, uh, you know, a card breach or something like that. What do you do then? What is your next step? And I tell you, when you wait until that moment, when you get that phone call, that is the worst time to make difficult decisions because you've got all that emotion, you've got all that anxiety, you're angry, you're scared, you're, how could this happen to me? Uh, so walking through, here's what an incident looks like. Here are the types of things that you should do ahead of time, the decisions you should make ahead of time so that you're prepared when that happens, so that you know who, who do I call, right? Who's my first call? Is it, is it my lawyer? Is it my, uh, and, and that's Jill is a great, you know, <laughs> contact Jill Miller, Jill. RSP General you know, Counsel, yeah. Exactly. What do I do, Jill? Help. Con contacting me and say, Nathan, what do I do? Where do I go help? Uh, th those are great first steps. Knowing here is the organization that I depend on for security or for IT management or whatever it might be, uh, just having those things in place. So that's that's a, a session that will be really good. Um, we are going to have a session on, and we're still working out the details on this, um, on how do you analyze security risks? Because if you turn on the news and you just say, okay, what's the latest, greatest thing that people are worried about? And you go spend all your focus on that. That's not necessarily the best approach to moving yourself forward in your security posture. Uh, sometimes um, looking at things and saying, you know what, that sounds really bad, but I'm not there yet. I need to focus here. Um, sometimes some of the some of the stuff that makes the news is real excited and 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 man, this sounds awesome. And it's like, yeah, but you're not James Bond. You don't have to worry about that stuff yet, right? Like 10 years down the road, maybe that's something you have to worry about, but uh, here's the, the practical stuff. So just talking through how do you analyze threats and risks and figure out what is applicable to you? 
what is most important to mitigate, um, and, and that sort of thing, where you go from there. And then uh, one of the tracks that we're looking at, and I think this is going to work out, is is on the concept of zero trust. I don't know if you, are you familiar with zero trust? Have you heard that terminology? Uh, not well enough that I could answer two sentences on it. So please. <laughs> okay, well I'll go ahead and do that for us then. Uh, the idea of zero trust is, you know, traditionally we would build a network and we would say, here's my router and I've got stuff over here and I've got stuff over here and maybe a firewall in between, but everything is inside my protected network. Everything is inside my perimeter. And as long as I keep the bad guys on the outside and a good firewall in between, I'm good. The problem is that's not as easy to do as it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It's not as easy to do as it was last year. Right, because where is your perimeter right now? It's distributed across all the homes of your employees. Right, it's it's in a duplex, right? You know, it, 20 miles away from your office. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or it might be at a Panera Bread with somebody connected in from a MiFi. Right. All of a sudden, that is your external presence. How do you deal with that? So the idea of zero trust, it's a it's a networking architecture model that has been becoming more popular probably over the last five to ten years, um, but the last year has really uh, push the boundaries there of how do we take some of those security controls that we used to implement at the perimeter level and we push that down to the host. So now your laptop, my laptop, Susie and accounting's laptop, each one of those systems are protected by themselves. They are the perimeter and they connect to other resources in a secure fashion instead of assuming we're all on a safe internal network and we don't have to be secure. Um, that's a big change for a lot of people. As of yet, I have not seen a big push of zero trust uh, initiatives into the point of sale industry, but it's affecting every other industry and the tools that we use. And so I think we're gonna start seeing that in the, in the POS environment in the very near future. Uh, we already see it some with, with some of the uh, endpoint protection solutions, um, things like uh, the, the endpoint detection and response, they used to call it next-gen antivirus. Uh, there's, there's some tools called micro-segmentation that are doing some neat things. So we're, the, that talk will explore, it, it's kind of what the frontier looks like, right? What's the next big thing that's coming uh, when we talk about POS security? And um, you know, the goal there is just to give people an idea of, you know, hey, here's, here's what to watch for in the future. When you're analyzing, how do we build our next POS offering? How do we, you know, what types of things are we gonna offer to our customers? You wanna keep those kind of things in mind of here's what that customer is gonna be asking for in the future, because this is what they're hearing about. God, I guess just to, to, so no, thank you for that. And I appreciate it because, and I'm hoping, I guess, just to crystallize for our listeners, this isn't simply, hey, we had four vendors say they wanted to speak at retail now. So we said, okay, that'll be easy. Like you and RSP VP of education, Kathy Meter, have gotten together and said, what are most important for our VAR, ISV, and vendor members to hear? And then put it on a continuum in terms of, so for folks who are newer to the security space, they'll be able to get something from it. Folks who are uh, experts already, very experienced at it, they'll have something to get to as well. So it's gonna have, there was like real thought, real planning put into this, which is why it's still up in the air. And also I guess just a little inside baseball stuff. So this podcast is being released in late June and uh, Nathan and I are talking far before that. So somebody might be thinking, whoa, the event's a month away. You're still figuring out, you know, the website right. has it all figured out. So uh, by the time this comes out, it's going to be uh, far more bolted down. But I guess back to my, my point there, is that accurate, Nathan? Like this was planned out in terms of what is best for the community as opposed to what's easiest for the RSPA to put on from a security standpoint. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely right. And, and for a lot of shows like this, what happens is 
you know, the, the people that pay the most money get a speaking slot and they get to choose what they're going to speak on and the organizers just kind of float through and, and that's it. Um, RSBA has really put a lot of effort into this. Kathy and I started talking about this months ago of saying, what are the big topics? What do we want to talk about? What is important to memberships? And, and you know, we recognize there are different types of members. Uh, it's, it's real easy to say, here's the majority of our members. Let's target uh, content towards them. But we've tried to look and say, what are the different levels of members and, and different people that have different goals maybe? And how do we provide content that's valuable to them? And then we said, okay, let's look at the, the folks that we have available, people that have spoken in the past. We reached out to some of our vendor members and said, in fact, we, we reached out to one. One guy said, hey, I'd really like to talk. Uh, and we said, that's great, but the thing you pitched is kind of focused on your product. Um, you've got some knowledge here that we would like to use. It doesn't really fit your product, but you know, we think that it would be valuable. And, and, and he said, that's great, I love that idea. And so we're really trying to put the emphasis on education and knowledge rather than just here's the sales pitch. You know, the vendor area is great. I love our vendor members and they've got some great products. And if you go to the vendor hall, they can demonstrate those for you and give you that sales pitch. Uh, but that's not the goal of the of the education portion of the of the event. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've always I think you and I are uh, similar uh, ages. Um, but you remember Terry Tate office linebacker? Do you remember those commercials where people would do something <laughs> wrong in the office? He'd go and tackle them. I always right, wanted to bring right. Terry Tate office linebacker uh, to trade shows. And when somebody turned around and was supposed to give an educational presentation, it said, let me show you our office building and let me give you a pitch about whatever. And like Terry would just get up there and, and be able to tackle them. But I can say going to retail now, Terry Tate would be awfully bored because he's not going to have any tackling opportunities, right? Because uh, we've really vetted all these speakers. And again, Nathan's do, uh, and Kathy are doing a great job on the security track to make sure it's, uh, you know, really a fit for what VARs and ISVs uh, are looking for. So I appreciate that overview. I want to talk to you about a couple other topics while we have you here. So a year ago, when everything was virtual and Zoom meetings and masks were almost a new thing. So you moderated an RSP webinar that was titled Security Threats and COVID-19. So I know the pandemic isn't completely in our rear view mirror yet, but if you were hosting a webinar today titled Security Threats After COVID-19, what would you focus on? What do you think is gonna stick around and what's behind us from both a technology and a threat perspective when it comes to security and COVID? Yeah, great question. So I talked a little bit about the whole zero trust idea and you know people are working from home. That was a big challenge and we talked about that. How do you make those situations successful, right? How do we create opportunities where people are able to work from home, still get things done successfully? Um, and, and, and by successful, I mean, they're not significantly increasing the risk to the organization uh, because there's, there's some challenges there and there's problems there. Um, overall, I think, you know, looking in, in hindsight, people have figured that out for the most part. Um, you know, we've, we've seen some pretty significant wins. Uh, when, when Zoom first became a thing, uh, I, I had used Zoom prior to COVID-19. I'm, I'm guessing not very many people had. It had some major security holes. Major. Uh, may, I mean, huge. Um, like the, just the force of the, uh, the economy changed that, right? Like Zoom had to change their business model. They made things better. Um, and I think we've seen that same thing for people to continue to compete in the, in the in the marketplace. They've had to figure out how to do things the right way. Um, we still see companies struggling. Uh, you know, some we, we were talking beforehand. Some companies that are trying to make it and figure out how to stay in business, not go out of business. And I hate to see that, but I think in the long run, as a society, we're going to be better off because we're hardening some of those some of those things. 
Um, there's still some challenges working from home. I, I was talking to uh, my wife's aunt uh, over the weekend, over Memorial Day weekend, and um, she mentioned that, um, you know, it, it's hard for her to work from home because she doesn't have IT support. She doesn't have somebody that she can call easily. And, and so when she has a problem, she doesn't know what to do with it and that sort of thing. Um, there are some challenges there that we, we still have to continue working on. Um, some of the other issues that have come up, um, we've all heard by this point, I think, uh, about ransomware. Ransomware continues to be big and everybody's worried about that. I don't know that that's necessarily related to COVID-19, but the, the problem continues to rise um, and it's not going down. Uh, and I think part of that might be because of some of the, the relaxed uh, security solutions and, and the changes that we've made that might have introduced some, some, uh, some weaknesses there that, that have been taken advantage of. Um, but I think the bigger thing, and, and I don't know if, if everybody's heard of this term, but the supply chain attack. Uh, the supply chain attack is something I've been talking about for two or three years. Um, I'm sure on one of the RSPA talks that I've talked about it at some point. The idea that, um, you know, all of the security solutions that, uh, not just the security solutions, all the solutions that you use, they have a supply chain. They use libraries, they use other vendors, they use microservices, they use cloud-based providers. All of these different components are built on other components, which are built on other components, and it makes up this long supply chain. And so, you know, I'm sure people have heard about the solar winds attack, uh, you know, over over uh, the, the Christmas holidays. There was the, the big attack on Microsoft Exchange that hit, you know, a lot of large companies. Um, this idea of people going after the supply chain, um, I think is in large part because of COVID-19. It's continued to grow and it's expanded from that. And I think that's something that we still have to get ahead of. Um, we'll see. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out. I know there's some really smart people trying to figure out what we do here. Uh, the uh, President Biden's cybersecurity executive order, of, uh, I, mean, I don't remember how long that was ago, uh, fairly recently, uh, mentioned they, uh, the idea of a, uh, it's called an SBOM, uh, a uh, software bill of materials. Basically the idea of saying, you know what, here's what this software depends on. And so if one of these things have a vulnerability, you need to, you know, you, you're introducing some risk to deal with. Um, that's something that, uh, that's another one of those future things that I think folks in the point of sale industry have to watch out for. I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see that impact uh, the POS industry a little bit more. So those are a couple of issues that uh, have, have expanded over the last year. Yeah, it seems like where VARs and ISVs got impacted was, you know, retailers didn't work from home, right? They might have had, you know, the larger ones, customer service people working from home, but not, you know, in, yep. in droves in terms of it was more how do I adapt from a brick and mortar standpoint with online ordering. And then from a restaurant standpoint, there was way more online ordering, way more payments and things uh, happening online. Even grocery went, right? You know, in terms of yeah. the people didn't want to go in and everything, I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of things are going curbside. And then the VAR has to figure out, you know, work from home is here to stay. Everybody who I talk to has a, a, a tough time hiring. And if you think you're going to tell somebody who's a remote employee, no, you have to come to work or I'm going to let you go, right? They'll go work for somebody else who enables them to work at home. So I guess it really seems like a lot of those digitization and like I said, the, uh, you know, where things are separated more than they were in, in all one spot, that's here to stay to a significant degree. Some more people might come back into the office, online ordering will not stay at what its peak was from uh, during the pandemic, but it's here to stay to a significant degree. And you've got to be able to uh, offer that in a secure fashion if you're going to compete as a VAR and ISV. I guess I say that as a statement, like, do you agree with that, disagree? Uh, absolutely. And and 
there are a lot of different types of attacks. People are gonna, attackers are gonna find a way to take advantages of situations. So one, one easy example of, of kind of what you're talking about, um, just a few days ago, it was announced, I think there were 14 Brazilian nationals who were arrested for manipulating, but what they were doing is they were stealing identities of Americans. They were using those identities to register for things like Instacart and Uber and Uber Eats and, and the different, uh, not, not just rideshare, but you know whatever these different services are called. And then they were selling those identities, those accounts, to people who were not allowed to work, not legally able to work. And then so basically they were, they were manipulating those systems because those systems had been built in a world where the volume was much lower. And when the volume got higher, all of a sudden there's much more incentive for attackers to you know, coordinate these attacks and use different methods to try to um, you know, basically take advantage of the situation. And um, they, they did it at an incredible scale. It blew people away just how much of an impact it was making. Um, but we're gonna continue to see those kind of things. Anywhere that you have people distributed, attackers are gonna find ways to leverage people against other people and, and use things like that. Great, well, I have one more question for Nathan, but I do wanna pause here to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community, make this podcast, this video series, and make Retail Now possible. RSP Platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift4 Payments. Gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. To receive the benefits of RSP sponsorship or RSP membership, email membership at gorspa.org. And again, we'll remind you at the end of the podcast, don't forget, save the date and register for Retail Now 2021, July 25th through 27th in Nashville. Retail Now is where the industry still meets. So my last question for you, Nathan, though I reserve to ask follow-ups to it, um, was there a lesson that you and other security experts learned during the pandemic, or was it just a reminder of the fundamental security best practices, but just in a different form? Yeah, I, I, this is fairly non-technical, but I think it applies to security as well. Uh, one of the things that, that I found is that, you know, dealing with our customers, we, we've got a wide range of customers, some, some very, very large customers and some fairly small ones. Um, in general, when there's a problem, people work together well to solve it. And so there are absolutely people that just said, I don't care, I'm not gonna try, I'm just gonna do my thing and whatever happens, happens. But the vast majority of people said, hey, look, there's a problem, how do we solve this? How do we work together and, and, and make progress? Um, you know, we saw in, in my own community, I saw like, hey, this business is really struggling, this restaurant's about to go out of business. And people like came together and like started ordering from that in different ways to, you know, give them a chance to, to survive. Um, there's been a lot, especially in our socio-political environment, there's a lot of contention, a lot of division. You know, we, we can't talk politics without somebody getting mad at somebody else. Um, but overall, people want to help each other. And, you know, I, I, I've seen that, that when we bound together, when we bind together, we, we've done a really good job of making things better. Um, we took some risks. We had to on certain areas. And we said, you know what, we're going to start doing this. We're going to start doing that. Um, but for the most part, I haven't seen as much contention in the, um, how do I say this, prior to COVID and prior to the quarantine and all that kind of stuff, people were a lot more, I'm just not going to do that. I don't care who you are. That's stupid. You know I mean? Like when you would say, here's how you be secure, there was more contentiousness about it. Now people are like, okay, I get it. We got to do what we got to do. Um, and so I think maybe that, uh, one of the things that we've benefited from that, a lesson learned is just how to how to not get caught up in that division as much, you know, the, the contention. Um, I hope that stays. I hope that continues. And, and 
you know, we keep down this path towards a bright and beautiful, more glorious tomorrow. I don't know, but uh, for me, it's been it's been a pleasure to see that even amongst the the frustrations that we all have, right? Because we all have dealt with some hard times, um, that we're still able to work together and continue moving forward. And cooperation is so huge in this community, right? Because somebody can't just have their POS software on their own or one peripheral on their own, right? Like everybody has to integrate and and work together. And I can say I've been in the general IT channel for a quarter of a century now. You know, you're getting older when you can quote things in century uh, terms. But I've worked with a lot of different associations, attended a lot of different trade shows. The RSPA community is the most cooperative to begin with. So it's great to hear that the rest of the world might be catching up to that or catching on in terms of that that really benefits everybody. Don't just look at the short term, make the pie bigger. Don't just steal your portion of the pie and, and put your arm around it. Yeah, absolutely. I said I reserved the right, said last question, but I wanted to ask one more. Uh, for the folks who are watching on our YouTube channel, what is that over your right shoulder there? It's clearly not the latest uh, invention here from a technology standpoint, but uh, share with our listeners, what exactly is that? Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I tried to think of something funny. That's my Minecraft server or something. I don't know. No, um, <laughs> that's a, a Macintosh Plus uh, that came out from Apple in 1986. I used to work at a university and one year they were cleaning out the attic. And uh, the IT department was in like the third floor, fourth floor of a, of a building. And, and I was helping them clean stuff out and it was all going to the dumpster. And I said, oh, this is cool. And I, I actually have two of them. Um, now they're like gold. I mean, it's like several hundred bucks to get one of those. Um, but I've, I've, got, I've got ambitions. I've got to buy a keyboard and I've got ambitions to do something with it someday. We'll see. So it could work. Like you could turn it on if you needed to. And Yeah, yeah. I, I've got, yeah, I've got a power cord. I just don't have a keyboard. The, the keyboard's like 150 bucks on uh, eBay. And so I'm like, I don't know, I don't care quite that much yet, but one of these days. And, and not a touch screen, right? I yeah. mean, there's well, I've, I've thought about it. So I've got two of them. I, I'm, I'm thinking about the second one. If I can find like a nine by nine square screen, you know, drive it with like a Raspberry Pi or something. And who knows what I'm, I might turn it into something fun one of these days. Nice. Well, one of my uh, pride and joy, I collect uh, old typewriters. You can't see them. Uh, on camera, they're they're off camera, but the one that has patents from the 90s and it just says 90 whatever, and it's actually the 1890s uh, <laughs> is what it was like. It's a keyboard that's not even in QWERTY format, right? It was before all that stuff. Oh man, uh, that's awesome. So you and I are uh, on on the same page in terms of love love that old technology. Very nostalgic, no doubt. So so I I have to ask a follow up question then. Uh, is it one space or two space after a period? Oh, it's one space after a period. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. Good. Well, why do you ask? Well, do you know what? Do you know why that's changed? Because when I was in typing class, you know, back in high school, they taught us two spaces. Back that, in the typewriter, yeah. When it was an old typewriter, you'd have to hit it twice. But yeah, now in uh, you yeah. know layouts from everything's desktop publishing, it's only one. Yeah, yeah. Traditionally, uh, everything was monospaced fonts, and so you had to have two to uh, to to be able to demonstrate the additional area. But we we still get in arguments in the tech community about that all the time about whether it should be one space or two space. There crazy. is no argument, Nathan. It is one <laughs> space, darn it. Especially things get justified now in desktop publishing. So if you have two spaces, it really Absolutely. jacks the whole thing up. So. You're, you're preaching to the choir here, man. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, you can tell I've been in publishing for more than a quarter century. Um, so I have some pretty strong opinions on this. Don't don't get me started on Comic Sans uh, by any means. So. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to hanging out at Retail Now. Uh, we are going to probably over some drinks, maybe have a conversation about the Oxford comma and 
<laughs> anyway, Jim, it's been great. Right back at you, Nathan. Yeah, I cannot wait to see you uh, in person. And so to our listeners, that does it for this quick take episode of the Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed uh, our discussion as much as Nathan and I uh, have. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And be sure to register for Retail Now 2021. Again, that's July 25th through 27th at the Gaylord Opera Land in Nashville. Going to feature a diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several great education sessions, including four discussions on security, coordinated by RSPA security advisor, Nathan Sweeney. For all the details, visit the show website at gorspa.org forward slash retail now. Before we go, big thanks again to Nathan for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA marketing manager, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.